Good morning. Well, now, is that because you couldn't hear me or I couldn't hear you? Good morning. That's better. We are here to share fellowship with our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and each other. To offer praise, worship, spend time in God's presence. To be uplifted and built up and prepared to do God's work. We're going to start our service this morning uh, by actually uh, picking up where we left off last night. So it wasn't planned as you guessed. We're going to sing uh, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Praise him. Indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Lord, with those words on our hearts as we sing out to you, we offer you our praise and worship. We offer you this time, Lord that we should dedicate this, this next hour to you. And we pray, Lord, that you will, you will be with us and you will guide us, you will love us, you will nurture us, and you will give us all that we need. And Lord, we pray that all that we say and all that we do in your name will bring you glory. Lord, we thank you for our fellowship with you and the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the fellowship that we share with each other. Lord, we thank you for this time which we have now. Lord, we thank you for all things. Amen. I'm going to ask Neil if he will uh, come up and give our announcements, please. Good morning. Um, right. God willing, these are um, our announcements for this week. Um, first of all, obviously, all you Fellowship Weekend visitors, you are incredibly welcome to join with us at Old Trafford and, and uh, share bread and wine together. Thank you for being here. Um, and for those Old Trafford people who haven't been to the Fellowship Weekend um, yesterday, you are welcome to join with us at the Fellowship Weekend. It's great uh, to be meeting together. This morning, um, Don is to exhort us, um, and we're looking forward to that. Instead of youth church this afternoon, um, we have the family worship service at three o'clock and everybody is welcome to come to that um, and uh, join in the fun and help the kids worship together. The evening service tonight is at 6.30. It's been led by Lucy and Liz will give us some more information about that um, at the end of this service. Um, our activities this week are, um, as normal, Tuesday we've got Junior Club um, and the Bible Reading Group um, and Ashton Youth Club. Wednesday we've Ashton Youth Club, um, as normal. Thursday our Bible class at 8 o'clock, being led by John Downer, and um, we are picking up lessons from the Fellowship Weekend. <clears throat> um, and then Senior Club on Friday. Next Sunday morning, um, being led by John Downer, Martin is to exhort, um, Kate Fain to prepare the table, please. 
um, and Becky East to prepare flowers. In the creche next week um, are Mike, Lucy and Chris Griffiths. Um, and the service, Juan Pablo and Steve Tanner, please. Malcolm and Pearlene are to prepare lunch for us. Um, the evening service next week uh, being led by Mike Griffiths. And um, we've got the return of Lionel Taylor. Uh, and his subject is, Why Does God Allow Suffering? Um, so that's next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Just had one item of correspondence um, about sale of return, which is next Saturday the 9th of May at 4 o'clock. Um, it's to be held at Ashton on Mersey School. Um, it's been led by Andrew Walker from Millsbridge, and the subject for the day is Here Are Two Swords. Um, Alex, would you like to come and give us news about John? Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers John Bonane. Put your hands up if you remember John. Okay, that's good. That's a fair few of you. Um, after the fellowship weekend last year, John voluntarily returned to the Congo to apply for a student visa so he could continue his studies in the UK. He's not back yet because um, he's had his visa denied a couple of times. But I spoke to John this morning. And um, if you want to know what he's doing while he's waiting for this student visa to come through, come and see me afterwards. Um, I've got a website address that we keep updated with pictures um, of what John's doing. And basically, um, he's living the kind of life I'd like to live in as much as he is reaching out to the poor, to the lost, to the homeless, to the disabled. Um, and he's, he's, he's a beacon of light um, in Kinshasa, in the Congo. Um, but he, he specifically uh, said this morning he'd like to send his love to everybody here um, that knows him. And I said, I know that we would send ours uh, back to him um, in the Congo. So please keep John in your prayers. We're not sure whether he'll ever come back. Um, but um, I don't think that really matters. Um, the point is that he's working amazingly hard for God um, and, and all praise to God for that. So please keep John in your prayers. Thank you, Alex. Um, the only other bit of care news I have is, um, for those of you who know Mary Fitzgibbon, um, she's been in hospital um, again this week they have actually now discovered a clot in her leg so that is a significant step forward in um, getting her treated and getting her pain relieved um, so our prayers are with, with Mary uh, today as well um, just a little bit about the collection the collection today um, again will be for the Meal Day Fund last night um, you raised just short of £1,300 for the Meal Day Fund so thank you very much and the collection this morning will be another opportunity to contribute if you weren't able to last night um, your giving last night uh, more than covered um, the needs for the creche that we talked about in Tembisa. Um, so now we're funding some of the other projects that I talked about, the um, Stepping Stone Centre for the children in Nigeria who've been thrown out of their communities, and um, the Starfish Project, which looks after those children affected by HIV and AIDS. Um, so thank you for that. Normally, Sol Trafford at this point in our service, we uh, take some time out to offer a pastoral prayer. Uh, and I'd just like us to have a bit of time uh, that we as individuals might uh, reflect on those that we know who are in need, our brothers and sisters, our family, it doesn't really matter. But just have a few moments now where we can uh, bring these people and bring these situations uh, to God.
Don is uh, shortly going to come and exhort us, uh, but before that, uh, I've asked Sylvia, she'll come forward and lead us in the reading of John chapter 10. Good morning. The Gospel of John chapter 10. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Know me. me and I know the Father lay down my life for the sheep I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen I must bring them also they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, 
I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world, Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in earlier days. Here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. I know from speaking to Don that although we have had a fantastic amount of feeding and his message so far has been very powerful, uh, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Don, come and exhort us, please. Well, thank you very much and good morning, everybody. For those of you that haven't been with us uh, uh, or weren't with us yesterday, we, we're looking at the theme uh, that is uh, up on the screen, Take Care, uh, Sheep on Way. And just to uh, give you just a little bit of the background, uh, we looked at God in our first session yesterday as the shepherd of the flock of Israel. And then we, we moved on to our dear Lord and saw how God was at work in our Lord, the shepherd to the generation that were under bondage to Rome. He was with our Lord in his earthly ministry. We're going to use John just here in this chapter this morning, just as a springboard. If you're looking for an exposition, you're not going to get it, I can tell you that. That's not my style at all. But I want to go into that 10th chapter of John for a moment. At the 14th verse.
Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He's talking about the generation to which he came, and, and, and the children, the flock of Israel. I have other sheep, and we're the other sheep, most of us, Gentiles, that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And then at verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I find tremendous comfort in that. We went to Colossians yesterday where it said that if we're in Christ, our life is hidden in him with God. No one can snatch us out of the grasp of our Lord or the Father. The Lord starts with a hundred sheep. One might get lost, but he finishes up with a hundred sheep. And that is an eternal guarantee that we have in, in these scriptures. I'd like our first picture up, please. I'm going to explain our pictures uh, because there's a, there's a young sister here this morning who, who doesn't see, so I need to just explain the picture. In the background of, of what we've got up there is a donkey, and right in the foreground is a cross. I see that as indicative of the, the, the ministry uh, of, of our Lord. And we see it actually in the twelfth chapter of John, and I want you to go there if you're if you're going to uh, follow this. You see, in the twelfth chapter of John, um, in uh, the twelfth verse, uh, he he's raised Lazarus, and he, he's going up to Jerusalem. He's going up from Jericho, where we finished yesterday, and uh, the people are shouting Hosanna. And he's going there for crucifixion. The cry is going to be, crucify him. And you see, the, the donkey, as it were, he's in the background. He, he's not important anymore. And this was just how Jesus' ministry was. They flocked around him, but very few took up the message. There were only 120 at Pentecost where the church suddenly took off. Hosanna, 
crucify him. I wonder if you've ever thought of, uh, maybe that Barabbas heard that word, that he was there, he was incarcerated for insurrection, and he hears crucify him. And then they come to Barabbas, and they say, come here. Where do you think he thought he was going? To be crucified. And they said, you can go free. Was he hearing right? What a lesson that is for us. The Lord was going to die. The Lord has died for us. And we have freedom in this Lord. We have the, the covering of the Lord. And it is spelled out there in the fact that Barabbas was allowed to go free. In this twelfth uh, chapter of John, we've got some, uh, in verse 20, we've got some Greeks who have gone up to uh, Jerusalem uh, for the feast of Passover and they want to see Jesus. Perhaps they were in the temple, they were in the court of the, uh, of the Gentiles maybe. And uh, coming in at verse 23, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, and we have our next picture here. It's a grain of wheat. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Just think of those words for a moment in relation to our Lord on the cross. They said, if you're the son of God, save yourself, come down from the cross and we will believe. Now if he loved this life, he had life even though he was on the cross, he could have come down to death. But he chose to die on the cross, to life. And that is it. Jesus never asked us to do anything in effect that he, he didn't do himself. The 53rd Psalm is, 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 is a beautiful picture. Sorry, the 53rd of Isaiah is, is, is a beautiful, it's a gemstone of a picture of Christ. Uh, it talks there of sheep. If you've ever watched sheep, they're going to be shorn. They're all in a pen and they're bleating and goodness knows what else. And the minute they come into that shearing shed, there's not a sound. There's a sheep before the shearers is done, so he opened not his mouth. He was cut off from the land of the living and who can speak of his generation he didn't have any children and yet it goes on to say he will see his offspring the corn of wheat falls into the ground and comes forth the fruit he will see his offspring prolong his days see verse 27 of the 12th now my heart is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This 
that he was about to do was going to glorify a God. You know, we, we thought of Jesus yesterday, how he was constantly jostled by crowds. They were ever following him. And I think when Jesus got to this point, I, I don't think there's any question at all that he was, was physically exhausted from the crowds, from the, from the, the, the healing, from the compassion that he had towards people. And the constant contradiction that he, he had to endure. We, we read it in that tenth chapter. You speak blasphemy. You eat with publicans and sinners. He touches the leper. You can't do this. That's what they were telling him. And he was, I think, exhausted. But what we're seeing there is, is as it were, a, 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 a microcosm of something far greater. We talked yesterday about the Lord's ministry being a snapshot and the purpose in its entirety uh, surrounds it. If we could just have the next slide, please. Here, uh, we've got a cross and, and people are coming up to it carrying burdens and they go away free. There is always a danger when we come to that cross that we put the burden down and when we walk away we pick it up again. That, that, that is the problem that many of us have. It's, it's, it's a guilt trip. And we can't, in a sense, in some ways, help that. But that's what we do. But you see, I don't think we can glibly say these were words, but here was a sinless Lord taking upon himself our sin. Just think, your sin, my sin. It, it was crushing, apart from the, the, the physical exhaustion that he felt. When he, when he touched the leper, it was a reverse polarity. And you see, that's what happens here. He bears our griefs and our sorrows. He's wounded for our transgressions, the things that we do wrong day after day, was the wounds that he were, was bearing there. He was crushed because of our iniquity. His suffering brings us, hopefully, peace. By God's grace, by his stripes, we are healed. They're, they're healed from stripes, from, from wounds. In a sense, in a worldly sense, it doesn't make sense, but it does when we look at it in the, through spiritual eyes. It's that we might be healed. That the sin upon him might be accounted as righteousness to us. Let's see what he says in the 32nd verse. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And he goes from there and they have Passover in the upper room and the Last Supper. But I want to come now to the 14th chapter of Mark. 
Well, I have the next slide up here as well, please. Just to tell you uh, that that's a combined harvester up on the screen in a field. It's very, very relevant to what we're going to read. 40th chapter of Mark, and at verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And it was Peter, I think, we find, that, that drew the sword and cut off the, the, the ear of the high priest's servant and, and, and Jesus heals it. He really meant this, did Peter. Luke tells us that Jesus said something else to Peter on that occasion. He says, Peter, Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. That's what this picture's about. In effect, you're going to be, have a great combine harvest to go over you, Peter. It's going to shake you. Shake you and shake you. And you're going to be sifted as wheat. But when you're converted, Peter, when, when you come through this, strengthen the brothers. And Peter was shaken, wasn't he? He was threshed. That the chaff and the husk were shaken out of him and that the grain might be exposed. That the, the fruit of the Spirit might grow. That the Spirit may be active in his life. It was a refining. You see, Jesus doesn't say to us, well look, okay, you believe in me, um, here are a load of blank checks, whenever you get into trouble, buy yourself out of trouble. Or, in monopoly terms here, uh, get out of jail cards. It's not like that at all. What Jesus is saying, this is going to happen to you, Peter. Jesus could have prevented it happening, but he didn't. It was to enable Peter to grow and to go forward uh, from that point. And the cock crowed or crew and the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. What do you think his look was? Was it one of reproach, of anger? Of course it wasn't was one of compassion, wasn't it? He felt for Peter. I think there's a lovely lesson in this for, for, for those, a number of you here have got young children who, who they, they're going to do things that are wrong. And it is loving them and having compassion on them, chastising them if necessary, but, but showing them what the Lord has shown to us his love and compassion despite our failings.
And that is a wonderful witness to these people and to these children. And Peter on that occasion, he went out and what did he do? He wept bitterly. Of course he did. He denied this Lord. Can we have the next um, uh, picture up, please? I tell you what, this really got hold of me when I saw it. You see, in the game of, of chess, it's a game. The idea is that the, uh, you, you, you prevent the king from moving, you capture him in effect. And uh, of course it's a scriptural principle. We, we talked about David and Goliath yesterday. And, and Goliath is beaten and, and Israel have the victory. And this happens throughout the Old Testament. But here, what we're seeing, and I, just that black piece is so formidable. And it's the world. It's Caiaphas. It's, it's Caiaphas. It's, it's better that one man die than the whole nation perish. Who was Caiaphas thinking about? He was thinking about himself. And, and, and there's, there's Pilate. Uh, uh, Jesus comes to me and Pilate says to him, do you know what? He says, I've got power to crucify you. And Jesus says to him, you'd have no power at all unless it were given you by God. And you know, the only one who had any control in this crucifixion was Jesus. I laid out my life. No one takes it from me. I am doing it because I am expressing the glory of God, the compassion, his love uh, for this world. And the world took our Lord. And that blackness represents the evil of the world. We're going to sing in a minute when I survey the wondrous cross. And we see the evil of the world uh, pitched against the goodness of our lovely Lord. The world hates me, he says, because I testify it is evil. And the world, it seemed, had triumphed. Evil had triumphed over good. But we come to the, the really what our exaltation is about this morning. Why seek ye the living among the dead? It was said to the women who went to the tomb. And we'll have our next picture up here. And it's a picture of, of, of like an open tomb. And, and, and it speaks of the, 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 the resurrection, the resurrection of our Lord. Nothing can prevent the purpose of God coming about. Absolutely nothing. It is absolutely assured and here we have the risen Lord and it's in encounters that I found, find absolutely fascinating he said, someone said a shepherd should tre tread softly in the fold you don't want to, 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 to frighten the people and you think how Jesus uh, came with this heart of compassion to Mary, she was distraught. And he just utters the word, Mary. She knew, she knew that word. It's the Lord. She couldn't believe it, of course. She couldn't believe it. So gentle. 
And then there's the two on the road to Emmaus. Their hearts were burning within them. They couldn't recognise Jesus. And he went to move on as they were going to stop. And they said, come in and have something to eat with us. And he broke bread. Whether they saw the, the print of the nails in his hand, or whether it was as he gave thanks. And they, wow! They, they could not believe it. And Jesus vanished from their sides. It was Thomas, he, he wouldn't believe unless he, he actually put his hand into the print of the nails and into the side. And, and the Lord asked him to do it. We think of Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is risen. He said, heaven, this is his church. That's persecution of him. This is his compassion for us. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you persecute. And of course, he's the Lord of every road. Every road of every one of us. He's the Lord of that road. He's looking over us. I want to come to the parable, I think, of the, the fishless fishermen. They had empty nets, and I think the empty nets are indicative of empty lives. They've gone back to their fishing, and they caught nothing. They've been there before, three of, there were seven of them, but three of them have been there before. I think it would have been the exact spot, because they went to where their boats were. And this is where they were before. And it was on the occasion when Jesus called uh, Peter, James, John and Andrew to be fishers of men. That's what he called them to be. And this time, here he is, he, 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 he's there. Um, they've caught nothing again. And um, they are there and he has a meal on the edge. Can we have the next picture, please? Which is just a picture of the Sea of Galilee. And he set the table and he calls Peter. He could have said 101 things to Peter. Let's just go to 21st of John. He could have said 101 things. And you know, when I was preparing this, I, I've, I've just got to tell you this, and I think this is the nub of everything. I went through the Bible and I, I was looking for all the questions that I thought were important. I've got a load of them. I've got very important questions throughout the Bible. And I, I got to the end and I ticked that and I thought, I wonder which is the important one. And I haven't quite decided and about a fortnight later, I happened to be in the 21st of John, and I thought, well, what? I didn't get this question. And this is the absolute crunch of everything we're saying this weekend, in my opinion. Because he comes to Peter. He's brought out well, actually. I know we go as Christadelphians into Agatha Pay and is it Philadelphia? I, I, I well, I don't know what it is, but... I'm not doing that, but I'll tell you what, he's brought out very, very well in the NIV. Uh, a lot of things aren't. Because Jesus says to 
to, 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 to Simon uh, Peter. Simon, son of John, verse 15, uh, do you truly love me? That's what he says to, to, to Peter. And Peter's a very honest guy. He's, got, he's on a guilt trip, isn't he? He's denied the Lord. He, he says, you know I love you, Lord. What does Jesus say to him? It's right on our theme, isn't it? He says, feed my lambs. <laughs> Lovely, isn't it? Feed my lambs. When you're converting, Peter, strengthen the brethren. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Our theme, take care, sheep on the road. The third time, he said to him, Simon, do you love me? He used Simon's turn. Lord, he says, he was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. Of course he knew. He knew Peter was going to fail. You know, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, here is Peter, not this time being commissioned as, as a fisherman, but being commissioned as a shepherd of the flock. And it's borne out amazingly when we come to the epistle of Peter. And I just want to go to the fifth chapter of that first epistle. You see, Jesus met Peter exactly where he was. He, he meets him with compassion and there's a tremendous uh, consolation in that for us. When we feel we've failed, we can be lifted up if we will listen to the voice of our Lord. It's the Spirit. It's something we're frightened of in our community, I think. But it's the Spirit of the Lord alive in our lives, uh, taking us forward from here. But we go to 1 Peter 5, and we're, we're just coming, just, we're, we're at, towards the beginning. Uh, verse 2, be shepherds. He's saying, oh, to the elders. He's talking to um, uh, the elders, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, servants as shepherds. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And then it goes on, it's talking to young men, and it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Here is Peter shepherding uh, the flock. I want to conclude with a, 
a very personal experience. Um, perhaps we could have the next uh, slide up there. Um, I've, I happen to have that uh, uh, compass with me. Twelve years ago today, I was walking the Cotswold Way. It's about a hundred miles with Bob, my blind friend. It was the first long distance path we'd done and we were only seven miles into it, believe it or not. And I'd got an idiot's guide. <laughs> we'll say that was my Bible, but it, it, it was one of these guides. It wasn't just a map because I'm not a very good map reader, but it, it, it told you everything and a, a little map on each page. And, and seven miles into the walk, <laughs> where do we go from here? So I thought, well, the answer is I'll have to read this to Bob. So I read it to Bob, and he looked at me, he said, well, Don, I think you'd better perhaps try that path down there. So, so I said, all right, you wait here, and I'll see if that's the path. So I went down there, and I realised it wasn't the path, and as I turned around to come back, there hanging on the tree was a compass. <laughs> and I thought, is this telling me something? <laughs> if I knew how to use it. Uh, anyhow, I got back to Bob and we found our way shortly afterwards and, and do you know what? Within five minutes we found something else. And we found a sheep that was wound up in a huge length of wire. It had obviously just gone round in circles like sheep without a shepherd. I don't think the farmer there could have been very caring. And I said, but well, look, I'm going to have to extricate this sheep. I never realised they smelt. Oh, dear. Anyhow, we're, we're sort of getting this wire out and, you know, and managed to extricate the sheep. And as we came away, I thought, wow, you know, such a lesson, such a lesson. We're just like that sheep, aren't we? We're all like sheep. We go astray. We turn each one to his own way. And the Lord lays on him the iniquity of us all. And we're sheep. Wonderfully in Ephesians it says we are the workmanship of God created in Christ. I just love that. The workmanship of God created in Christ. And what I want to say to you today is that wherever, wherever you are in this world, you know, if you've got a compass, you can probably, with a map, find out where you are because you know that there is a constant. There is a north, which is constant. And wherever you go in this world, the constant for us in our spiritual life is the Lord. And if we take a bearing on the Lord wherever we are. We will never get lost. We might go down the wrong path, but our Lord will always be there to meet us because he is the Lord of compassion. And Ephesians goes on to say how we must be rooted in love. And the question is, do we love the Lord? Do you love me? Jesus said to Peter, do we truly love our Lord? Because to be rooted in Him is to know that love, to know the love 
which surpasses knowledge. Can we just have the last picture up, please? We just read those words, that final quote. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. You see, it's all God's work. It's not our work. It is God's work through the swimming. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. We come to the part of our service where we take some bread and we drink some wine to remember what God and the Lord Jesus Christ have done for us. That God would send his son into the world that we would know what God is like. We each are worth the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our value to our God. That is how much our God loves us. Of all the things that were said yesterday, the one thing that keeps sticking in my mind is that the Lord Jesus deals with us where we are at. We don't have to right ourselves and then come to God, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He deals with us where we're at, whether we're clean or dirty, sinner or not. And we are reminded of this now as we share bread and share wine. Our next hymn is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's real challenging, these words, based on Paul's letter to the Philippians, where Paul basically teaches us that it is not the things of this world which are important, but it is the things of God. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. After John Williams will come and he will lead us in our thanks for the bread and the wine.
Lord, you are amazing. You are a wonderful God. And you've moved us over this whole weekend to be amazed by your grace and your goodness. And now we come to the time when we remember your amazing grace and your amazing sacrifice of love for us in the giving of your only Son, our Saviour, that we might have life. And as we partake of these, these emblems, the, the bread and the wine, we are reminded, Lord, of your amazing grace and love. And as we partake in fellowship, help us to realise that you indeed are our shepherd and we are your sheep. That you are our father and we are your children. And keep us in that sheepfold, Lord, until the return of your son. And we pray that this may be soon, Lord. Amen. While the disciples were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it all of you, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's continue with our, our thanks and our praise. Hallelujah, my Father, for giving us your Son, sending him into the world to be given up for men, knowing we would bruise him and smite him from this earth. Hallelujah, my Father, in his death is my birth, Hallelujah, my Father, in his life is my life. I've asked Trevor if he will come and read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop and when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades when men rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred then man goes to his eternal home and mourners 
go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails, given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Do you know, when you, normally on these types of occasions, I'm actually down there in the band. And actually, you sound different when you're in the band. You don't sound bad, you just, you sound different. I wasn't first choice to sort of help out this morning, neither was I second choice. <laughs> and actually, I didn't actually volunteer entirely for selfless reasons. I love to hear your worship. It ministers to me. In lots of other ways, I am a, a little bit of an emotional Luddite. I, I struggle to express myself sometimes verbally. I, I don't like being vulnerable. And I can express myself through music, and I enjoy your expression. My wife, on the other hand, is prepared to be far more vulnerable. Do you know, she'll, she'll often ask me, she'll say, do you love me? Now, I'm sort of the school which says, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> it, it, it sort of doesn't quite pan out. And, I don't know, you know, every now and again... I will volunteer my affection and my feelings and I will on, on occasion say Lucy I love you for all of you who sort of feel similarly and behave similarly to the way I've just explained please beware I sort of expected a pat on the back a smile or a kiss what do you love about me? And then the next thing is, is, 
what could possibly have changed in the ten seconds since you last asked me? You know, just... Our God, thankfully, is prepared to be more vulnerable. He is more able to express himself and does so through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is open to us. We just read that chapter from Ecclesiastes. Penned by Solomon, we are to believe. A man who had everything this world had to offer. And how does he exhort us? In verse 12, verse 1 of chapter 12, we read... Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Verse 6, remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. What do we remember For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Verse 13. Now all that has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. God expresses himself to us openly and without limits. He's not even remotely inhibited. And he wants us to turn to him and be open with him. Fear God and keep his commandments. What commandments? Jesus teaches us. He says, O Israel... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with your God, sorry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love God, love your neighbor. These are the things that we are to remember. This is why we remember what God has done for us to remind ourselves that the Lord Jesus Christ meets us where we are and then empowers us to do his will Alan will close our service after we've sung our final song which is Lord of all hopefulness Be there at our wakening, we pray. Be there at our labours. Be there at our homing. And be there at our sleeping. Lord, be with us. Dear Lord, when we look at your Son on the cross, when we see a man being crucified when we see the pain when we see the anger 
of humanity. It's hard when we remember these things to know that here we see your glory. That here we see your glorified Son. And it's only when we realize that in these things is that glorious outpouring of your love. That here in these things is the power of your grace. That here we see the wonder of the transforming victory that was gained here. Not only of death, but of a glorious resurrection. And we've seen those things again, Heavenly Father, in such very simple things. We've seen it in bread, we've seen it in wine, and we've passed these things to each other. And it's hard to think that as we pass these simple emblems, that we handled and touched something which spoke of that glory. Something that spoke of that power. Something that spoke of that incredible love. And yet, as we looked at these things, like the Apostle Paul, we were moved. Because here we realize that Jesus was saying and showing that he loved me. And that he gave himself for me. And as I realize that, the voice of Jesus comes. Do you love me? And one can only bow in humility and say, Lord, you know everything. You know my weakness. You know my frailty. Please help me. Help each of us to love you. Help each of us to be constant in that love. To be constant in that awareness of your presence. Because that love is so powerful. Because it can transform us. It will transform us. It will transform us to the glory we behold in your Son. And that is beyond our comprehension. For we are mere earthen pots. And that you should put such glory into such mean things. That you should raise us to such a glory is unbelievable and yet that is what you've said you would do and so we stand before you now in wonder and in trembling because above all as we stand before you now we know you are an awesome God yes you created the stars yes we are like specks of dust and your glory is beyond our comprehension. And yet your Son has taken us by the hand and taken us into your sanctuary. And we stand now in awe before your throne of grace, talking to you, as it were, face to face and able to call you Father. That is the power of your love. That is the wonder 
of your transformation of each of us. Grant that we never forget it. Grant that it guides our lives, that we too shall show forth that love to those about us. And as we leave this memorial table, may it be a strong memory within us. May it not fade, but keep us in your ways. And Lord, when we leave this place, it may seem that we're going into something which is so ordinary. Because we're going for lunch in a canteen. And that seems so mundane, and yet it's not. Because there again, in the providing of that food, we see your daily care. We see your intricate love that knows our every need. So we, may we partake of that meal, not only in joy and thankfulness, but in the knowledge that as we sit together, we share in fellowship yet again the beauty, the power of your love. Grant your blessing and hear our prayer. Amen.